Aloha Maui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Brian Thomas. And Jason Fellerman. I'll tell you what, we got a great show for you today here on the Solar Coaster, all about EV charging. There's a lot going on, gentlemen, in the world, in the EV charging world, not only uh, you know, across the entire world. We got a we got a company we're gonna be talking about from Spain, which is Wallbox, which does to lead this off bi-directional EV charging. What does that mean? Anybody you guys know what that means, bi-directional EV charging? Well, I didn't until I watched the video, but it's cool how something that we think is pretty straightforward actually has some depth to it and some uh, technical this is uh, opportunities crazy. to improve it. This is crazy. And you're an EV guy, right? Uh, and so I, I know you're big into the, uh, the the Priuses and you play with all that stuff. And you probably know the inner guts of those cars more than most uh, anybody else I know. Uh, this company, Wallbox, one of the two uh, companies, the other one is EVbox, uh, Wallbox from Spain, they've actually created a bi-directional charger that can right now take your Nissan Leaf and uh, it's a Chatamo connection and then actually uh, power your home. So you can take energy from your Nissan Leaf, take energy and power from your Leaf. Those are about 24 to 30 kilowatt hours, depending on the model. And then you can use that energy in your home. What? Yeah, <laughs> and then, so store the energy generated by your solar panels, right, in the daytime, bring it, your car home at the end of the day, then charge your car with the generate uh, with the electricity that you stored throughout the daytime. Yeah, that's one the mechanism. I mean, if your car's there during the day, you could explore all kinds of grid services to this. Now, this is active right now in Europe, and things are uh, you know they're a little bit more liberal in how the utilities play a role <laughs> in Europe, right? So they're able to actually do this right now. But I mean, this is something that's coming to market and available. It's called the Quasar, I think, is the actual model. Uh, so anyway, we're going to hear all about that, and then we've got um, Wallbox which is another big EV uh, charging uh, a company, and they're doing some really interesting things about the software and settings to allow you to make decisions about how you charge and when you charge. And for example, hey, I'm going, I'm gonna go on a, on a long range trip on Wednesday, system, make sure I have my car charged, but I only wanna use my solar system, <laughs> right? And at the very end, if, the sol if, it, was, if it was dark out, or cloudy out, then uh, you can use the grid. <laughs> so it's like really catering. What do you think, Fellerin? I think it's a great idea. I know that my chalet up in the mountains could really use a battery on wheels. <laughs> yes, a battery on wheels is exactly what it is. So this is uh, show 143. You will notice that Mr. Verkart is not in attendance today. He has some uh, personal obligations. Couldn't make it. We miss you, Jay. Uh, we'll see you on the next show. All right, you guys ready to get into our housekeeping and fun? Let's do this. Yeah. All right. Hey, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Hey, Brian, we got a website. Where is it? It is www.solar-coaster.com. And you can catch up all the shows and you can look at topics that we've covered from consumer electronics show to cutting edge uh, companies around the world doing great stuff. And if you're researching or going to put something in, odds are pretty good. We have that provider. We could talk about them. We yeah. have the heads of the companies on. Uh, it's on all the favorite places that you get your podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. Yep. Um, you name it. If you prefer to, if that is your preferred listening style or mechanism, get on the podcast and just say, hey, Siri, play podcast Solar Coaster. Boom, it'll pop up for you, and you should be able to check it out, all 143 shows. Got some great sponsors out there uh, in the studio today, Fairwinds Wealth Management, Brian Thomas. Thank you, Brian, for all your collaboration and support. It's great to be here. Uh, we also have EnduroShield and Perfectly Clear Glass. EnduroShield is an Australian company, a coating manufacturer, now being tested for PV panels. Uh, there's a couple of guys in the world testing them. One of them is me. <laughs> and, uh, and then and the other guys are way bigger and way more important. But it's really interesting because there's the opportunity to uh, minimize the uh, accumulation of soil and debris and, and keep these panels as clear as possible uh, in order to produce more energy, right? So that is something that's exciting. Perfectly Clear Glass is the local company with Gary Dolberg. Uh, he's here. His logos are up. Thank you for your patience on that. They're on our website, Perfectly Clear Glass. You can check it out. Give Gary a call if you want to learn about these amazing Enduro Shield code that some of the most innovative companies in the world are looking at right now. Okay, we also have Sundrum, Sundrum Solar, uh, and then we've got a new company that is uh, pledged allegiance to the solar coaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, pretty exciting. Uh, later on in the next couple of months, uh, the uh, much lauded Solar Edge from Israel will be coming on as a sponsor to the Solar Coaster. Thank Impressive. you very much to Lior and Emily and Jessica and everybody out there at that awesome juggernaut of a renewable energy company. That's huge. I mean, they're 
that, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So call in show, folks. If you'd like to jump in and give us a shout, go ahead and do it. 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. I think it's time for news and events. All right, this is usually where I say, hey, Jay, what do you got for me? But I'm going to start out. Um, we're all going to take a hand in this and have some fun. Uh, looking at global, what's happening in the world? There is uh, a lot of neat stuff going on out there. And there's a, uh, a magazine called SmartCitiesWorld.net. I kind of get the sense that we're going to be calling upon these guys more and more in the future. Um, and out here, in, this is called the uh, Saudi Neo Mega City plans world's first solar dome desalinization plant. Now there's actually a Vimeo video, which makes it really easy to understand, but it looks kind of like a concentrated solar system and you, in that you have these, uh, these, these mirrors effectively in a, in, a, in a circle pointing to a central area, but in the center, it's not a tower and it's not like a collector. It's, it, it is a collector, but it's a dome. They've actually used a dome and they have um, a, a channel of water directly from the sea. They're bringing in um, uh, salty water, bringing in salt water from the ocean and then they're using that uh, that heat and that energy from those uh, they're called heliostats to uh, actually um, uh, desalinate that water and then distribute it to storage tanks and then they're talking also about some of these desal plants so far that have been put in and I'm not by no means am I an expert on that but apparently they have trouble with that brine that they discharge at the end and it creates problems in our ecosystem and so that brine is actually uh, be going to be uh, it's like a circular model where they're going to be selling components of that. One of the things in the industries that'll look at that, Brian, is component of the lithium battery storage market that needs something from that, apparently. Talk about a great byproduct. A great byproduct. Really cool stuff. I mean, what do you guys think about stuff like this? This is, is this, is this pie in the sky? By the way, this is that, uh, that, that, uh, what will I say? Um, controversial Prince Mohammed bin Salman. That guy that's been in the news a bit, gotten into some, you know, some wacky stuff. So he's, what do you guys think about this? You know, it, it's interesting when you look at this because they are the known large largest reserve, depending on how you measure it, but uh, of oil. But in when they start looking at transitions of solar and desal is a unique requirement, right? And so, but this one, uh, it actually claims that the technology generates no carbon emissions. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, They're looking at ways to create, uh, you know, neutral uh, systems that don't create any 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 problems for the environment. I mean, pretty spectacular stuff. I mean, it, we, the thing is, water. It, you know, there's a whole bunch of technology we saw at CES that like uh, hydromass, uh, the source panels, they create, I mean, it's really remarkable, but zero infrastructure required, no electricity inputs, and they're creating a little bit of potable water, right? Heal, uh, there's another one called WaterGen, where it's basically a dew point collection system. But these are, you know, small, relatively small scale systems, right? Something like this, there's just an infinite supply of seawater effectively, right? It's amazing. And, and, and we take water for granted. Uh, in our country, but places around the world, you know, it is the it is a and the big issue. Yes, you know, yes. more so than crude, actually, water, and probably going to become more and more of that. And I know that um, this is this is actually part of one of the of the big cities over there. What was this? This is part of. It's called the hydro hydrological sphere, um, constructed from glass and steel into which the seawater flows, and it's part of the overall city uh, that's being developed out there. Saudi Ministry of en Environment, Water, and Agriculture uh, are the ones behind it. Where is that city name? I'm trying to find it. I know you're into, uh, oh, it, Neom. Neom, that's it. I just said it. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I understand there is some other uh, cities out there, Mr. Fellerman. Oh, there is other cities out there. And it's funny. Let me ask you this question. Mm. What does the pop star Akon, cryptocurrencies, <laughs> and renewable energy, and smart cities all have to do with each other? I'll answer it for you. So what is going on is that Akon, the Senegalese uh, uh, rapper who immigrated to the United States, who has uh, become a really famous guy, has put all of his effort into recently um, breaking ground on up to a 2,000-acre sustainable tourism city near the country's capital, Dakar. Um, and what his, uh, the whole vision involves is that the city partnered with um, uh, different, uh, SAPCO, the Senegal state-owned tourism company, they're going to make a fully renewable, smart tourist city that will run on cryptocurrencies. Whoa. You know, this relationship to crypto is something that would not, it's like, we don't realize there are these connections between renewable energies and then new, even city planning, and then things like currency. Well, right? you know, one of the things that Akon broke up, uh, brought up was that 
in the culture over there that they're always worried about the government's maybe not functioning properly. Mm. And the so there's less confidence in the stability of the government. And when they put use a, a the open ledger technology of the blockchain with coupled with the smart city and the renewables, everything would be uh, there would be a much a greater accountable. Right, right, right. So there, there's less uh, that that counters corruption at the at the technical level. At the technical level, so people could really feel that there's something um, uh, what they would call trustless going on. They don't have to trust a faceless entity mm. to count all the beans mm. to make this project work. This project's supposed to benefit so many people and so many uh, uh, companies. There is no uh, faceless entity. It is all open and visible. <laughs> we are going to be in super uh, geek Star Trek land shortly, folks. Uh, I'm excited about this stuff. You know what's the? I mean, it, like, it, of course, we think about. Uh, the, that opportunity there, uh, but that could be anywhere. I mean, uh, our governments across the world well, are sure, not you corruption can, free. We, right. I mean, could could blockchain provide us that opportunity? Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean there is there is corruption in, uh, in in video game sales. You know, and it could be uh, all sorts of uh, of things that could happen um, uh, at the smallest level. So, you know, if you want to buy your crypto kitties online, you know, you're going to get the real deal with an open ledger technology where everything is going to be. Uh, uh, visible and counted. I see. I see Brian waiting to jump in here. <laughs> well, well, it just this is another example of a massive shift that's that's starting to potentially get some uh, traction or so. You know, and and we don't know the degree it's going to roll it out, but it's one of those shifts that it's good that we're talking about it. We don't know the degree it's going to occur, but if it were to occur, when it occurs, it'll change things. You know, and we look at say for example, state of California getting sued because there's a movement called the open book movement that people just want their government to open the books to see where the money's going. And California says, well, in, not really. We don't really. It's like they won't even show you uh, where the money is, you know, and it's like this is California. This is not, we're, not, we're not talking about some other third world country or so. And so this technology is 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 relevant to, I mean, a lot of things, blockchain. And we, we noticed with some of the companies that have been involved in the past, like Sonin, for example, a former sponsor uh, acquired by Royal Dutch Shell uh, early in 2019, I think, or late 2018, uh, they were, you know, engaged in this virtual power planting. And that doesn't, it's like, that's, that's also kind of moving towards blockchain. It seems like blockchain comes up in a lot of areas, I guess is my point. Well, it does come up in a lot of areas, but it comes up in a lot of areas of just humanity in general, where we're trying to not just get past the technological hurdles to go into a sci-fi world like the Jetsons, but we're also trying to get past some of the failings of, uh, of, organized, of organized efforts. You know, just cultures of skimming or cultures of, uh, of cutting corners, which literally cannot be done if things are counted um, algorithmically as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, somebody with an abacus in a corner in a dark room somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to see the pictures. Uh, you got to check this out. Where can they find this article, uh, Jason? So this was a CNN article from January 22nd um, by Antonio Pacheco. And uh, just as a side note, the, the proprietary cryptocurrency that is called the A-Coin, oh, named <laughs> after A-Con, and uh, we would play a song, but they're, they're all explicit lyrics. <laughs> we were trying he to is, find one. Yeah, we're trying to find one, but we couldn't find one. But yeah, it, it, uh, really good stuff. And and uh, it's a pilot project, you know, and it's aimed at testing the introduction of digital currencies in Senegal, where Akon was born and lived in his childhood. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there, and uh, we're going to be following it to find out how it develops. Nice. And I'm it, excited about smart cities. It also has the ability to sort of eliminate the middleman, you know, that's like a toll taker along right. the way here. So and um, make make uh, these systems more efficient, more cost effective, more democratic. Yeah. Oh, a lot, a lot of value in there. Hopefully, let's. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Is there anything you want to jump on right away, uh, Brian? Or uh, you know, there's there's some. Of course, uh, ESG is continuing. It's yep. it's pushed. That, that it occurred, and and ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and uh, the entire investment community is paying attention. We've talked about that. We've had numerous shows. We'd love you to go back and listen to them, but uh, it is something that's underway. There's a MauiESGproject.org. Mm -hmm. uh, this weekend has a conference, and so that I can't make that, but that'll be very cool to talk about stuff, and especially local investing, right? Yeah. It's like 
you want to uh, be able to do that on a local level, which then translates to benefit across everyone across society. This and is I, pretty interesting. And, you know, uh, I'm going to go tomorrow, uh, and a couple of the organizers were, were, were helpful in trying to, you know, get me involved and so I could uh, get into some of these sessions and learn a little bit about this perspective. But, you know, the, it's nice, it's great to see that ESG uh, is taking the kind of this, um, it's getting a lot of attention right now. And not only uh, are we seeing things like the BlackRock announcement, uh, where, was it $7 trillion in assets or is that? Is that the number? Well, they manage seven trillion dollars, right? right? And and so part of their Larry Fink came out and said came out and said, our allocation process will factor in ESG variables, right? right. Because it is a risk. But that hadn't you know? happened before. It really wasn't being formally incorporated, right? Uh, it is for certain managers, for sure. But uh, not for someone that big. Yeah, not for someone that big or so, you know. But it's a recognition that you've got to measure risk from all different facets, mm-hmm. right? And and so the climate risk, but also the risk of sort of investing in degrading industries, you know, that, like I say degrading like uh, traditional fuel and natural gas because those stocks are going down, frankly. They've had horrible returns, right? Mm. But there also were, you know, the, there is a uh, risk to greenhouse gases and stuff and may not be measurable to the degree that anybody wants, but it is still a risk. I don't know if you, if you guys saw it. I didn't send it to you, but uh, that fella that, that that gets all crazy on the financial news, what's his name? Jim Cramer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Today, uh, apparently on Electrack came out seven hours ago. He says, I'm done with fossil fuels. They're done. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this is the guy that like hits the big buzzer and he's yes. like, you're done, you're yeah. done. But I mean, this is mainstream financial conversation. Well, I mean, and what do you, does it mean anything or is it just, what is this guy? You know, it's uh <laughs> but <laughs> just pull up a chart of the ticker symbol is XLE, and that's an ETF, exchange traded fund. It's a Another one. basket of, yeah, but it's the basket of crude and natural gas and traditional fossil fuels. Oh, but it's right. Like, you don't need to be a Jim Cramer, an expert, to say mm-hmm. that that stuff has been done for years. You know, it just, look at how it's going down in a market that's going up. And, and at the same time, if you look at, we talked about, uh, an ETF that represents renewable energy, and it owns solar stocks, wind stocks, uh, hydrothermal stocks, but its ticker symbol is PBW. Go pull up a chart of that, and the chart is simply plotting the price, right? Mm. And there's money moving into it, and these companies are making money, and they do have an interest. And if you look at the chart of PBW, it is not a recommendation, but look at that, contrast that to the fossil fuel, traditional fossil fuel, and you can see it's like, okay, Jim Cramer, well, you're a couple of years late, but um, uh, <laughs> you, you, right. don't, you don't have to be a Jim Cramer to recognize <laughs> that those industries are dying industries. Of course, of course. All right, well, let's take it, uh, uh, like we already came into the Maui ESG project. You guys, if you want to check that out online, it is Maui ESG project.org. Uh, you can learn about uh, that organization and what's happening here this weekend. Um, very cool stuff. Yeah. It, just one thing I want to say too, that we see articles coming out about, well, we don't know what ESG is or it's hard to define it, but it's, it, it used to be called social responsible investing. I got in the industry in 1998 and it was still an aspect back then, you know, and it was, it was just owning companies that agreed with what your personal goals were and there's still some subjectivity to ESG investing because it's not a black and white cookie cutter thing. You know, different people have different things that matter to them. Mm. And so you can choose what matters to you and you can invest in that regard. But you can also have a manager that has an overall template uh, based upon the various criteria. And it may not be perfectly in line with what you want, but it'll be better than nothing. And, right? to, and to be clear, Brian, this is not a, this is an accessible thing to just the average person out there. You don't have to be a qualified investor with large sums to do an ETF. Exactly. Well, people yeah. could call, you know, Brian yeah. Thomas at Fairwinds Wealth Management, and we can get them off on the right foot. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Very good. Very good. Very good. How, do they, how do they reach you, Brian? Uh, 808-873-3247. Give Brian a call. Really smart guy. I enjoy learning from him on a regular basis. Um, so a couple of things that are happening locally. Uh, we've got a few minutes left here. Um, Clean Technica actually cited, and I just got off the phone with Shana Decker over at um, Maui Electric to kind of confirm some of this stuff. But Hawaiian Electric uh, gets a new has a new CEO. They're going to be at the the Hawaii Energy Conference, uh, which is uh, really interesting to see that leadership shift. Uh, we also have um, the it was voted Utility of the Year, um, which is a it's a heck of a thing, right? And a lot of the times, people that are you know here in our community are kind of surprised that uh, you know our utility is being 
showcases this progressive, you know, fast moving uh, model for a utility across the country. But I mean, we, you know, that, Hawaiian that, Electric did. <laughs> like, that was like, Hawaiian Electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're keeping it real. The uh, the you know the uh, they did issue one of the largest RFPs. Okay, so on the, on the heel of this uh, announcement, they also uh, issued one of the largest RFPs uh, on nearly a gigawatt across uh, uh, Oahu, uh, Maui, Big Island, Molokai, and Lanai, and those so we get uh, 75 proposals came in. We have something. All the short lists have just been uh, issued. So a lot of these companies are starting to get word that they're in the game and that they're moving forward under that competitive process. Um, you know, so it is a pretty aggressive um, movement of things. Uh, not only to just to add to that, we also have Hawaii Energy. We've had Hawaii Energy on the show. This is the organization that provides incentives for different energy efficiency retrofits. Just talked to Walter a moment ago. They got this new EV charging incentive, which is there to uh, basically uh, help companies come in and invest in the EV charging infrastructure. Uh, and big, you know, big incentive, something like, um, what is it? For, for, for a retrofit stations, $30,000 per network level two station, $28,000 per network DC fast charging station, and a little bit more for first time installations. But that's great too. We're seeing very you know progressive and we're seeing uh, and, uh, new specific county level or state level subsidies for things like EV, EVs, which is wonderful. Yeah, like I wonder if they're trying to get ahead of uh, the need or so, so that people will buy electric cars so they uh, have the ability to uh, recharge them. Yeah, I mean, you, that's a what, yeah, it's chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. You need to have that EV charging infrastructure in place. You were saying you saw something on the uh, Jason. well, the, yeah, of course. The, you know, the social impact of having an EV is a whole different thing now. You know, uh, people finish up work and you see a line of cars and people standing outside with their coffee, uh, chatting away while they charge up on right. a daily basis, and it's almost um, you know a, a cultural fixture now to go and make friends and charge up. There you go. I, yeah. I mean, you have a little, yeah, you should have a little like special EV charging coffee stand or something, you know? What a great idea. That'd be a fun place to hang out. Um, another couple of quick things that are happening locally, of course, on the heels of those RFP shortlists being uh, announced, uh, spoken with a couple of the developers and kind of getting uh, shaking out their perceptions on this. We also have Lanai. We have Larry Ellison uh, attempting to purchase the grid from, from Maui Electric. Uh, interesting thing, too, only a minute left here. Interesting thing, too, because those uh, they're already in the RFP process for Lanai as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, like we, we talked about Jason's Island. I mean, to me, Lanai could be the template to deploy a renewable strategy that's end to end. Right, there you go. Because you know, it's controlled. And yes. It's, and it's small enough to do it, too. And, you know? and there are guys around the country right now talking about what that means and how this island could hit 100% first. Chris, the, the Forbes article I felt was a pretty perfect ridiculous. test case. <laughs> yeah, and it's a perfect test case. And it, it, it helps to have a, a smart billionaire behind it. So, Larry Ellison, if you're <laughs> listening, we'd like to do an interview with you and get a sense of what's going on. Maybe we could do it on one of your big boats. Love that. That'd be fun, that right? Nice. Hey, uh, Jason Vericard is listening. Thank you, Jay, for tuning in. And uh, he said, uh, make sure you say your number uh, better because people couldn't hear it. One more time, Brian. Sorry, 808 uh, 8737. Thanks, there you Jay Burkhart. <laughs> We're going to head over to our commercial break. Come right back with uh, bi directional EV chargers. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. Enduro Shield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, Enduro Shield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com/solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear in Hawaii. And for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, 
climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, we're here with a Douglas Alfaro. Did I say that right? Yep. And I walked by Wallbox uh, and I thought, oh, and it said bi-directional charger. And I nearly like just scraped the, the, the carpet with enthusiasm because this is really a, like a huge topic right now. The idea of bi-directionality, bi-directionality, if I can say that, for an electric vehicle is just so exciting, especially in Hawaii right now. Uh, we all have, we have like boatloads of EVs. We all have solar. Please let us use them to power our homes. What is going on here, Douglas? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that what we were really tasked with as a company, you know, Wallbox is a relatively young company. We were founded in 2015. We're based in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, we started in Europe, now we're a leader in the AC charging market for home residential charging uh, and slowly started expanding our footprint from Europe to China to just now opening offices in the US where we're bringing products. Uh, but for us really, you know, we started the company with the mindset that charging has to be an interactive experience because the EV is one of the largest consuming items in your home. And so we started that with connected chargers where you can set schedules, you can set timers for charging when it's cheap and you know, stopping when it's not. Uh, but we wanted to think about it more from an energy management standpoint. What more can we do? And so we developed, we used all of our knowledge with AC charging to develop a DC charging system that has bi-directional capabilities. And actually the first DC bi-directional charging system developed specifically for the home and for home consumers. So this is not a small thing. If, if people are walking by and they're like, if, to have a, a DC bi-directional charging system allows you to pull energy from your EV and meet loads in your home, is that correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this system is capable of utilizing the energy in the vehicle to meet loads within the home or send energy out onto the grid. So it's V to H and V to G, vehicle to home and vehicle to grid capable in a super compact, setting so this is about 14 inches by 14 inches and so typically bi-directional charging was available in the tens of thousands in a large refrigerator type setting uh, in a fleet depot on a pilot project like an aggregator of some kind for a utility scale thing now it's in our, in our homes exactly and that's what we want to do we want to bring it to scale to people's homes Okay, let's talk specs. Can we get spec specy now? I really want to understand this. Give me a sense of power capabilities. Is it a level two charger? Yes, it's a level two charger. Okay, what does that mean in amps? That means in amps, this is capable of 32 amp output. So 7.4-ish uh, uh, max output power. More than sufficient for day-to-day -day charging, overnight charging. But the killer app is that it's bi-directional capable, also 7.4 kilowatt to your home and to the grid. So you can power your full home, you can send energy. I got goosebumps. Right, if you have experience with home storage or solar, you know 7.4 kilowatt is it's pretty meaty. So here's the thing, if, if, if I've got a 10KW solar system, I've got a bi-directional charger, and uh, can I, can, does this marry up to any EV? Are there restrictions or? Right, so at the moment, this is capable for CHAdeMO vehicles. So this would be a Nissan Leaf, this would be a Mitsubishi Outlander. Perfect. Right. So, so I'm just gonna. So, leaves are like wonderful because they're so inexpensive right now. So you can buy them on the secondary market. In fact, my daughter's 15, and we were just talking about her having uh, an electric vehicle for the first car for her for her life. Right. So we can get one really inexpensively. I just installed another product that I can charge directly from my solar system only. Right. And I'm like, wow, what a cool first car to have. But now we're talking about the prospect of being able to pull energy out of that 30 or 40 or 60 kilowatt hour battery bank and meet the loads of the home at 7.4 kilowatts or about 35 to 40 amps. Did I hear that correctly? That's exactly right. Now that is not a small amount of backup power. That's actually, if you have a smart panel and you're able to curtail some of your two pole loads, at that moment you practically have whole house backup. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's actually, you've, you've touched on what, what the next evolution of this product is going to be, which is emergency backup power. 
So if the grid comes down, this is going to be capable of utilizing that battery pack, 40, 50, 60. We even have 100 kilowatt hour packs uh, in, the, in the very near future that could power your home for three, four, five, 10 days of critical loads or, or, or even full loads for two or three days. And so you have something that not only talks to the grid and provides those services, but something that could provide a service to you, the user, with a product you already have, uh, which is your electric car. Is this available now? This is available now in Europe. It's coming to the US by end of year. How much does it cost? Target price for this is going to be $4,000, actually below $4,000 for US customers. I like it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're bringing this down to utility costs. But if you think about the use cases for this product, uh, we actually have a partner in the UK. It's a utility company. And they actually give this charger for free to the customer. They say, OK, here's a charger. It's free. And for a fixed price, we give you a Nissan Leaf and your monthly energy bill. Why? Because now they can tap into a network of bi-directional chargers to offset peaks, do frequency response, all kinds of services. The utility wants access to that great roving battery asset, so they're saying, hey, let's give you a plug to make that happen. Exactly, but even as a user, you know, you have a return on investment for the first time with the charging station, because you can play with the different tariffs. If you want to come home and set the washer, set the dryer, you can use your battery backup, your car, to do that, and then charge it overnight. This is really interesting. I had an interview with a, a fellow that you may know, Ragu Balora, founder of Enphase, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about a marketplace of buyers and sellers. And uh, so you just added a new seller to the mix because your car now, the, the, your system, your solar system or whatever could say, hey, uh, we, we want to use energy for our washer, like you just said. Where is it cheapest? Is it cheapest from our solar panels? Well, it's in the middle of the day, it pretty much is. Is it cheapest from our batteries? Or is it cheapest from the grid? Or is it, if maybe if the batteries are empty on your home and you, if the grid's expensive tariff, at that moment you can go to your car now. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you, you add another element to the energy ecosystem. And in other countries, like in the UK and Germany, this is very advanced. So you have secondary markets, you have aggregation markets, you have a very dynamic, dynamic market for energy that you as a consumer can tap into or an aggregator can support you in tapping into or you can take advantage of yourself day to day. So I assumed immediately that you were, it was a backup scenario and you say you're moving towards backup and so you're really functioning in kind of a, a like almost like a, a support mechanism for your for your home in terms of, of where you buy and set, where you buy electricity from. So it, it, in a design capacity for solar it's very interesting because you know right now we're in a post-NEM world in, in Hawaii and so we need to provide self-supply systems with their own storage as a default. 80% of permit pulls are solar plus storage right now at this moment. So this actually could allow us to downsize the batteries a little bit and then have answer, because if you're driving an EV, I mean it's, I, I've sized solar systems for people with two EVs already, right? Exactly, you've, t you've actually touched on a really important use case and that's that the battery backup can only be the necessity that you have at the moment because that car can have much larger storage capacity that you've already paid for at a super cheap per kilowatt hour price. And so you can use that car as an asset to top off your storage system, to uh, store from your solar system for transport, for home use, or to put energy back onto the grid. Well, I can't thank you enough, Douglas Alfaro from Wallbox. Thank you so much to the kind lady here that's holding my camera and making sure we get a good video here. This is probably, I mean, from a renewable energy guy, the coolest thing I've seen yet here at CES. So thank you for doing the hard work. Really appreciate it. All right. All right, that's wallbox.com. You know, this is the Quasar, that was the model, uh, and you can learn all about that on their website. Uh, you know, I, I, I met them uh, on the CES Unveil, which is Sunday night. They open the show floor on Tuesday morning, and they have us like a one section for all the cool tech, and the media gets access to it, right? It's only media, Only right? media, and I literally, I was like, what do you got? You got a bi-directional EV charger that works today for a Nissan Leaf? I'm like, uh, let's talk. You know, it was really exciting to see that. We've been talking about bi-directional chargers for a long time. Up until now, it was a big utility scale thing like we had here with some of the testing uh, with Hitachi a while back. But this is like a, you know, a residential model that's ready to, to be deployed like this year. I mean, it's crazy. 
Yeah, you, you narrowed in on the fact that that it can reduce your need at the house level for storage, and you've already you've already paying for it at the car level. That's super so exciting. Why, yeah, because rather I mean, than getting two, if you let's say you have like you know fifty kilowatt hour a day load or something, uh, uh, then you may need you know two or three Tesla Power Walls to meet this. I'm just talking off the top of my head, but I mean if you if you put in an, uh, if you, this charger and you had a, a Nissan Leaf or you had an adapter that could work with the Model Three. By the way, there is a Chatmo adapter, and I didn't get a chance to ask him that if the Model Three could be you know bi-directional via the adapter. Anyway, super geeky geek land here. But the bottom line is that you could potentially downsize your storage requirement, uh, you know, theoretically, right? Yeah, right? Very cool stuff. Uh, we got another company we're going to hear from. It's uh, The company is EVBox. This is a large company, 100,000 charging points across the world, 55 countries, uh, 1,500 fast charging points. They're doing really amazing things, and they had some really cool software we're going to hear about on the second of these two interviews for uh, harnessing solar in a very unique way. So, Josh, let me ask you, how close are we to see being able to see uh, chargers ubiquitous just everywhere, not unlike, say, a parking meter. It can't be that far away. Uh, you know, and this is, we didn't talk about this, but I mean, it really has to be pretty close because the, uh, the, the market for EVs is going off, is so, uh, so off the charts right now. I mean, if you look at like, a, you could take any of the examples, but I mean, you know, Hummer just uh, announced a new electric Hummer, right? the, the, the renaissance of the Hummer, right? We got to get over to this next interview, but we'll we'll get those numbers and we'll bring them into maybe one of the up, upcoming shows. Let's do it for next week. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So we're here with uh, Hugo Pereira. Did I cr pronounce your name correct? Yes, very well. All right. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us at the Solar Coaster. So uh, your organization is EV Box, and of course, we're a renewable energy show in its genesis, and we really love everything renewable energies. And EVs are huge in Hawaii. Uh, you know, back in my solar installation days, I would size solar systems for people with as much as two electric vehicles. So it's very popular. Um, let's talk a little bit about your technology. Let's talk a little bit about your company. Tell us who you are. Yeah, so EVBox is a leading global manufacturer of electric vehicle charging solutions. So we build not just the charging stations, but also the software and the service behind. We do it directly in-house, but also with a lot of partners. We have partners actually across the United States, across Europe. We already installed over 100,000 charging stations worldwide, over 55 countries. So we build over a decade of experience. So the company started as a small startup in the Netherlands in 2010. We've been growing tremendously since then. Uh, when I joined 2015, we were 10 people. Now we are 500 plus. And uh, yeah, we opened offices in the US few, uh, about two or three years ago in New York. We expanded to San Francisco. And now we are opening a manufacturing uh, plant in Chicago. So it's very, very exciting because we are really at a turn, uh, turning point of EVs becoming not just a niche market, but also a mainstream over the next couple of years. Wow, good position and good timing. All right, so the company is growing tremendously. Help us understand, maybe, you know, for our listeners, it's even for people in the industry and people that own EVs, I think it's not always so clear the different types of electric vehicle chargers there are. Could, would you be able to break that down for us and give us a sense of, of the different types of chargers and kind of how EV Box plays a role in making some of those? Of course. Uh, I think the main interesting thing for the, for the listeners and the readers that are uh, here in this interview is that if you switch to electric vehicle, you're also switching your, life side, uh, your lifestyle a bit. So it's almost like now here we go to the full station, you fuel, and that's how you move around. With electric mobility, basically the fuel comes to your house or comes to your parking spot. So if you, with electricity, you know, you start your day, you charge at home, that's you have regular chargers that you can install at home. Uh, you can hardwire them or just connect to the plug depending on your needs. The idea is that you charge overnight comfortably so that you don't overpower the house, uh, so that you don't, you know, you don't think you're going to increase consumption of electricity, of course, but you can balance that really well. So those are the regular chargers. They can charge, you know, between four to eight hours, charge fully most of the electric cars. And then, you know, you get out of the house, you go to work. You also have charging points at work, so you can charge at work if you need a bit more of a boost of electricity. You go to a, you know, to a mall or to a hotel, and you also have some, you know, another charging points there. Most of these ones are all regular charging points, so what's called AC charging. So in the United States, they can go up to 7 kilowatts. So if, a, you know, a Tesla has a 100 kilowatt battery, you know, you divide by 7, and you know, you know, you don't know the amount of hours it will take to fully charge the car. But you not always need to fully charge your car. Most of the people drive, you know, 20, 30 miles a day. Uh, it's at the most common, 80% of the driving. So for intercity, it's perfect electric mobility. Now, when you have long drives, you need sometimes to have like a fast charger. That's what, for example, the Tesla drivers have with the superchargers. It's more of a safety option that if I need to go on a long drive, you know, I can charge, you know, I can add 250 miles in 10 minutes or something like that. So 
EV Box manufactures the, the regular chargers for all the you know residential, workplace, and commercial parking, as well as the fast chargers that are on the curb or on the highway freeway. So that's you know we try to compensate by offering the whole range in house and also all the software to manage everything behind the scenes. That was actually the most understandable explanation I've ever gotten, so thank you for that. <laughs> because a lot of the times, you know, it's, it seems a little bit unapproachable, right? So I fully understand how these uh, charging scenarios are going to impact our lives. But when you put it in the context of how it's used, then it becomes more clear, right? I think what is interesting is very similar. If I, if I pick up an analogy, when the smartphones came and data came, people were like, okay, how many emails can I send with one gigabyte? You know, like nowadays, no one thinks how many emails they can send. They have a sensing of how much a gigabyte, you know, allows them to do. There's a bit of a sensing. It's a bit of a similar thing that will happen with electric vehicles. Now everyone is asking, how many miles can I add per kilowatt? Or how many kilowatts can I charge? Or how, how far can I go with single charge? As it becomes more common, it will become easier for people to understand, okay, if I have a 50 kilowatt battery car, and if I can charge 7 kilowatts, you know, most of the times, or if I can have 50 kilowatts in an hour, okay. I can feel, figure out my lifestyle around it. So I think it's a bit of a change there, but you know, it's all about education and adoption. Very, also very understandable. So let me ask you this. Uh, there's a couple of uh, kind of exotic ideas about charging these days. I think, uh, I, I, we, and you've got some interesting, you know, uh, displays over here as well. But um, when we think about, let's, I would like to explore two basic concepts. One is the notion of wireless charging or inductive charging, and the other is uh, the notion of V to H or V to G uh, bi-directional chargers. So those are two kind of the more exotic kind of things. Uh, 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 what do you think about those ideas? Yeah. So for, for us, it's ex they are both very important topics because, you know, as a leading company, we cannot just be a leading company from... Uh, I don't know, size and, and turnover or growth, but you also have to be from an innovation positioning point of view. So, for example, on the wireless charging, we actually did a pilot in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, with a, with, a, with an electric car from Nissan that will, you know, go to the wireless charger and see how much it can charge or not. So we already are trying to do some pilots to understand the adoption of it. We see wireless charging very much connected with autonomous driving. You know, because it goes hand in hand, people go, you know, the autonomous car goes around, has its own, you know, algorithm to find the, the parking spot. And, you know, I know that there is some exotic uh, options of the robotics. That might be an interesting option, but it increases on costs. Wireless charging might be a bit more easy to, to figure out the standardization to allow, you know, because, you know, if you had robotics, how will the city, uh, you know, behave? Will it change legislation or not? You know, will people vandalize it or not? So what you just said, I think, is very important. You said that uh, there's a relationship between wireless charging and autonomous driving, because obviously someone needs to plug in the car if you don't have, and then it, the, the complexity of requiring a robotic solution over a wireless solution, maybe that's not the way it'll go, right? It could be both, but I mean, so that's a really interesting point. Wireless, not just for the sake of wireless, but because it'll help to further kind of in, uh, allow or foster uh, the autonomous driving kind of revolution. That's very interesting. Yeah, and with the other one, you mentioned the vehicle to grid or vehicle to home or bi-directional. We see that also as the future, you know, because it's basically batteries on the wheels. Yeah, so they, they can send battery energy back to the grid and take energy from the grid, restore from solar panels. So it's a very exciting world. I don't think there's a defined formula of what will work out or not. You know, in Japan, vehicle to grid is extremely important because there's a lot of need for, you know, for the cars to power the city, yeah, because there's a lot of outages and a lot of, like, you know, natural incidents there. Um, but it do depend a lot on the country. But I don't, I don't think there's, a, like, a, yet a defined formula. But I think there'll be a mix of formulas, vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, and bi-directional. I think it will come, and I think it will be commercialized in the next few years. And, you know, we're also very excited to explore that um, in commercial aspects, especially, and at home, that can be very exciting. But we also need utilities, you know, players like us to come together and decide how it's going to evolve the energy market because, you know, it also has to evolve to a way where, you know, can people sell energy back to the grids? You know, can it be an open market or not? Can it be a little bit regulated? So there's some, not hurdles, but there's some development to be done. Uh, but, it, it, yeah, it's an exciting technology to advance us. As we close this up, I'll tell you a quick story. Our listeners have heard this story before, but I think you might find it interesting. We live in Maui, Hawaii. Maui is a very relatively small island. It's got the West Mauis and Haleakala in the kind of southwest. And uh, there's about 150,000 people. There's about 60,000, 70,000 utility account holders. And uh, about maybe six years ago, a friend of mine came up to me and he works at a really fancy restaurant called Mama's Fish House. And he says, Josh, I just waited on Elon Musk. 
and he goes, and I heard him talking for a couple of hours. And he talked all about how in the future, our Teslas, in the case of Elon Musk, that they'll be charged wirelessly, inductively through the roadways, and that the owner of the, in the, in the car will have a, an account number similar to your home, a net metered account number, and that it will, the grid, because we have, we're in a post-NEM world with tremendous amount of solar, and we have to do something with that solar during the peak hours. We have to store it somewhere, that it'll, all those EVs will simultaneously absorb all that power, and later on in the, in the night when we need to modulate the duct curve, it'll disperse that power, but with, in completely autonomously, without the need of any kind of uh, any interaction with the, with the with the homeowner and to their financial advantage as well. What do you think about that? I, I think it's it's not that far away future. I think it's actually closer than people think about that. Uh, so the technology is growing exponentially. So yeah, so I see it as a very exciting, uh, you know, it's not just a story, but an exciting reality. It's already <laughs> happening on small pilots. You know, I think people will just have to see it more often in practice. Uh, but it's all about the user experience and the facilities. Yeah, if, we, you know, if it's easy to adopt, easy to function, people will adopt very quickly all the new technology that will come through, uh, through the new mobility and new services. Yeah. So you think that's technically possible? Yeah, I don't see it as, as, as a technically challenging uh, situation. I, think, I see that there are a lot of hurdles in between, but I don't see something as a far-fetched future. I actually see something that I'll not be surprised if we, if we see it happening in the next three to five years, to be honest. How many years? Three to five. Oh. Three to five years. Well, that sounds great. Three to five years, hopefully we'll be able to see a dream like that realized. Uh, Hugo, yeah. real pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for all the great information. Really excited to learn about EV Box and the hard work that you're doing and the tremendous growth of your company. Thanks so much. All right. Joshua. Cheers, huh? Yeah. We're here with, I'm going to do it my best at pronouncing your name, Erdi Tugmaner. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Just had a great conversation with one of your uh, your peers here, Hugo, but we started to talk specifically about this model of the EV box called the LV, the Residential Charging Solution, and we talked. We were talking specifically about the integration with a solar system, which is kind of you know our area of excitement. So I had to stop you and, and, and kind of talk to you. So please give us a sense of this technology and a couple of these use cases that you were describing. Definitely, it will be my pleasure. So basically, you see our residential charging station, LV, over here. And in order to utilize solar, we also have a specific solution for that, which is something you just attach to your solar production. So it will always know how much energy is being produced from your solar, and then it will deduct the net production, because you will always be using some energy in your building. So what you're producing minus what's being consumed in the, build, in the building will give you the net one and that net one can be used for EV charging, so you always use that solar. A very good application of this is actually, let's say you're an EV driver, you have this station at home, and you'll say that, okay, I'm going to leave tomorrow at 12 o'clock and I need this much energy, let's say 20 kilowatts of energy charged into my car. What you do is that you set that in the application, you say that I'm gonna leave tomorrow, by this time I need this much energy. The system automatically checks the weather forecast. So it sees that, okay, today is a bit cloudy, today there will not be much solar uh, uh, optimization. So I'm going to instead charge this car tomorrow, when in the morning it is a lot of sun shining, there will be a lot of solar production, so you can directly use that solar production into your car. So none of the energy is wasted and it all does automatically. All you need to tell in the application is when you are leaving, what time you're leaving, and the rest is taken care of with EVBox LV and our smart charging solution. Okay, this is very interesting for a lot of different reasons, but uh, in Hawaii, we're in a post-NAM environment, so we have self-supply systems that, that necessitate storage. So if you have an EV, and a lot of people have EVs, then there's the opportunity to uh, utilize all, because a lot of the times with a self-supply system, you, you might not utilize all your solar because you have to, what's called curtail, because you don't can't back feed it to the grid because the utility won't allow it. And so under a certain tariff. So in this scenario, you have a self-supply system, solar plus storage, then you always have the capability to pull, put energy into your EV. Therefore, you could potentially use 100% of your solar system even in a post-NEM era, which is really kind of remarkable. That is exactly what we are trying to do, and that is the reason why our system is smart to check the weather forecast, because we really, really want to utilize EV charging. We do not want to charge your EV when it is cloudy, when there is not much solar production, because then you charge your EV coming from the grid. Tomorrow there is sunshine, there is production, but 
your car is already charged. That's why we really want to utilize that. That's why we're really asking our drivers to be in charge of all of that. And then by checking with weather forecast, by checking how much energy is being produced, we utilize that completely. It's really, it's so cool because you can imagine a scenario where a homeowner is there and they have their vehicle and they're thinking to themselves, well, I want to optimize my solar system. I want to get the cheapest charge, but it's very difficult to make those kinds of decisions manually, if we can say. So it has to be a, you know, a bit of software involved in that. So this is automatic. It's checking meteorological data and it's making those decisions and checking kind of what's optimal to make this thing happen. Exactly, exactly. Everything is done automatically. All we ask from the EV driver to tell us when do they need to use their car and how much charging they need, and the system takes care of it. And even in a scenario, let's say sometimes weather forecast is not always accurate, the next morning was also cloudy, then we will still charge your car, but this time coming from the grid. So we will never ever let our EV drivers be out of power. So we're gonna utilize it to our best power, best uh, power, but if that is not possible, then we will make sure the EV is charged regardless of what is happening. I'm going to explore this a little bit more with you because it's really fascinating. And this is why we do this show, right? This is the stuff that gets us excited. So you say, hey, Tuesday, I got to go take a trip. In Maui, I'm going to say, you're up country. You want to go to Lahaina. It's 40 miles away. Tuesday, I'm going to take this trip. I need to have that energy in there. Uh, and then it looks at meteorological data and says you're supposed to have good sun this day, this day, this day, this time, and that'll get us enough juice to get you there and back, right? Um, but if by chance, by that moment, you haven't, the, the data was wrong, and you know, everyone knows the weatherman's not always right, then it'll it'll switch to grid in order to make sure that you're it's that you're you're not inconvenienced and you have the storage you need precisely because the worst experience you could give to an EV driver is when they are ready to go in their car and they are not charged we can never afford that experience as EV box so we make sure that in a smart way we try to utilize the solar power if not possible we will make sure that the power will come from the grid and you will have the power to go to your location and back I really, really like it. That's very cool. Thank you so much, Erdi. Really appreciate your time. Nice meeting you. All right, that was evbox.com. This is a, a company that's doing really interesting things with software. And, you know, it, I, I kind of call it the set it and forget it strategy. You don't have to worry. You, you, you want to make a trip on Tuesday? Well, okay, great. I'm going to make a trip with my EV on Tuesday. I need range. Charge up my, my, my car. But if it's cloudy out, don't charge it. And if it's, you know, it's, it's able to make decisions. Pretty cool stuff. Personal assistant for your EV. Love it. Love it. Very good. Very good. I, I think you got to have an accent to have cutting edge solar stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go work on my accent. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. So there's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on out there in the EV space, folks. I think we got a good taste of it here locally with Hawaii Energy, uh, you know, EV Box, uh, Wallbox, all these companies doing really neat st st stuff, bi-directional chargers. What do we want to say about the Scientific American article in the next couple of minutes, Brian? Uh, you know, it's a very cool article. It talked about how Hawaii is cutting edge on stuff for pushing renewables. And, and we have a history of that in Hawaii. Um, back in 1881, King Kalakaua traveled to New York to meet with Thomas Edison at his home to see remarkable incandescent light bulbs. And at the time, a few years later, uh, Edison was talking about a lithium-ion battery. <laughs> in 1881. Wow. 1881. And then King Kalakaua went back to Honolulu and at Iolani Palace in 1882, and he put electric light bulbs up, and it was one of the first royal residences that had electricity with Edison's, uh, Edison's technology. Yes. And bring it even closer to home, I believe before that, Klaus Spreckels uh, hung a couple of lights and set it up here in Spreckelsville. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, like before Yolani Palace was. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. I don't have that in front of me, but I do remember that from an earlier and, and article. It's a very exciting time to be part of that in Hawaii as it's unfolding. When we bring in diesel fuel to power our electricity, which doesn't make economic sense on the mainland, let alone in Hawaii, to ship it all across the ocean. That strategy is going the way of the dodo, my friend. Pretty <laughs> obvious uh, at this stage <laughs> yeah, of the game. Want to give uh, thanks to uh, Brian Thomas of Fairwinds Wealth Management for coming on and helping us with ESG and all manner of cool things. And also Mr. Jason Fellerman. Can I call you a cryptocurrency uh, extraordinaire? He's a wizard. Wizard? Well, yes, you can. I'll okay. accept that one. <laughs> Good show, folks. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are sponsored by Fairwinds Wealth Management, Sundrum uh, Solar, EnduroShield Perfectly Gla Clear Glass, and uh, soon, uh, Solar Edge. Okay, so thank you very much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday. <laughs>